an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. All right. Today in the podcast, I have Dr. John Went, and he is a chiropractor. He's actually my chiropractor, but also a really good friend of mine. And I've invited him on the podcast to talk about why chiropractic works, but also that he does this technique that's called neuroemotional technique, and it has helped me so much. And so I wanted him to talk about that, but also to talk about quantum neurology and the role that our mind plays in how we physically feel. So in this podcast, we're going to be talking about how we can get checked into our feelings and feel better. Really, Dr. John and I both are about biohacking the body and maximizing our potential. And throughout this podcast, we talk about the different ways in which we do that. You also hear about Dr. John's Dark Knight and about the new book that he has written that's coming out about the medical system. You can get more information about Dr. John at mychiro.club. But for now, here is Dr. John Went. Let's get started. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. I am here with Dr. John Wentz, and he's a good friend of mine now, but he once was my chiropractor and actually still is. And I got to understand chiropractic a lot more deeply when working with him. He does this really cool technique that's called NET. He'll tell you all about that. He's just a really cool guy. He's got really great energy and certainly has helped me a ton to overcome fears and whatever was blocking me along my path, whether it was in front of me or behind me or in me or (laughs) past, present, future, all of it. Dr. Wentz, actually, I'm just going to call you Dr. John because that's what I call you. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Yeah. So tell us, why did you get into chiropractic? Well, I mean, it started way back when I was 15. I got injured in a pool accident. And uh, my friend's mom was there with his siblings. So he had four brothers in total. I jump in the pool to try to impress the lifeguard. She didn't even notice me. I about <laughs> died in the water. I basically snapped my head back and gave myself a mini kind of whiplash slash concussion. Coming out of the water, I just felt terrible, nauseous, sick. And my friend's mom had actually worked for a chiropractor. And she had asked me on the way home, hey, do you want to see my chiropractor? She's like, you don't look too good. <laughs> and I didn't know what chiropractic was. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm going to go home and take some Advil, drink some water, put some ice on my face. Hopefully this goes away kind of thing. Later that afternoon, Dr. James Schaefer had given me a call. He was like talking to me a little bit about what happened. He's like, I think I can help you. Why don't you come down? And so he's the so chiropractor? This, yeah. So he's in York, Pennsylvania. He invited me down to his office. It was a Saturday and actually his office wasn't even open. He had made a special trip to see me. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And as he's in the back washing his hands, he's like, sorry, I was at a barbecue with my family. To this day, when I kind of talk about this story, I can still smell the like Old Bay seasoning from the crabs that he was eating that day. As he's touching my face and my neck, it makes me a little bit hungry for, for that nostalgic <laughs> meal. And so he kind of like, yeah, snapped my neck side to side. And I was like, holy crap, what was that? And my nauseousness subsided. My dizziness kind of went down. I still had a mild headache, but for the most part, I felt great. 
And so this guy kind of changed my life in, in an instant. And the next day he called me to come down again on Sunday. He had brought his family after church. He treated me again and he continued to take interest in me all through high school. Just kind of an advocate. He was a wrestler in high school. I was a wrestler. He just wanted to see me succeed. And this guy had, uh, for no reason whatsoever, an invested interest in me. And that was the first time somebody didn't have to take interest, but did anyway. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of changed my life as to how I see what it means to be a, a practitioner, a person who takes care of others. And in that experience, I was going to school and undergrad and those kinds of things. I was going to go to school for medicine and I wanted to be a neurologist. My grandmother had Alzheimer's growing up. So I wanted to kind of figure out how to resolve that. And then my junior year in college and undergrad, I traveled to a couple of different cities and each of these had chiropractic schools. And so I visited the chiropractic schools. And while I was there, I kind of realized that there's an opportunity to help people through chiropractic. And I changed paths from medicine to chiropractic at that point. So very powerful. So your grandmother had what you said, Alzheimer's? Yeah. So she had uh, type 1 diabetes and dementia, which progressed into Alzheimer's. Yeah. Okay. And were you ever able to help her uh, as a result of wanting to and going to school and hoping to? Fortunately not. Uh, when I was 12, she had fallen and broken a hip after having some mini strokes. And then she had another major stroke during that hip surgery. And then that kind of threw her into early onset dementia. Mm. And 12 years old is not much I can do with that. Yeah. I was the observer in the family. I'm a bit of a loud mouth, egotistical kind of person. But as a child, I was very kind of like withdrawn and just kind of observing the environment. And I really just kind of saw how the impact of the stress of this disease affected my family. We were already kind of an estranged family because my mom is a half sister and then there's three other sisters. We already had that kind of like not quite part of the family dynamic. And then when my grandmother had this issue, that was the connection between all the sisters. It really kind of put a strain on on the dynamic a little bit. And then it was already so that kind was of, the like motivation. Said, yeah. Watching that progression and the stress of the family and just kind of the, the fallout of that really kind of turned me on to like what's going on with the nervous system. I was listening to the doctors, I was listening to the nurses, I was watching the medication go in, and I was watching my grandmother decline. And there nothing seemed to change that. Wanted to resolve to figure out how to solve Alzheimer's. That was my goal. She passed away when I was in my sophomore year in undergrad, actually. So you know, I never got the opportunity to see if I could help her out. <laughs> but she's still looking over me, you know what I mean? So you got your chiropractic degree, and then you started with your chiropractic medicine and seeing patients, right? I mean, I assume, how many years is that, by the way? Is it six total? or Well, we had four years it? of undergrad, and then we had uh, three years of grad school in three, chiropractic okay. school. It's on par with the same course load as a medical degree. A lot of times medicine gets into the specialties after their medical degree, okay. where they'll spend a couple of extra years in chiropractic. It can be kind of considered the same thing. There's these things called diplomates, which is kind of like a specialty in chiropractic. So you can be a diplomate in pediatrics. You can do it in nutrition. You can do it in neurology. You can do it in just about any field you really desire to put extra education into. And so I specialize in neurology because of some additional education hours in that. And then I also specialize in functional medicine, which is looking at blood work and lifestyle and diet and helping people through diet modification, lifestyle modification, but also supplementation with herbs, nutrients, 
or whatever's kind of missing from the from the system to kind of help them express a healthy experience and also hopefully to alter some genes to have a better healthy long-term expression of health. Right, right. So a lot of people don't really understand epigenetics and the role that chiropractic or energy work or nutrition might have in mm. turning on or off genes that aren't really working for you or are working for you. Turning on them obviously would be better. For instance, we talk with EFT, it turns on 72 genes for healing. First of all, from my own experience, I remember being on the table and being like, knowing that my body was jacked up. And then you go through and you test things and you say, okay, lift your leg. And then I can't lift my leg. And then you adjust me and then I can lift my leg with resistance. Mm. And it's just amazing how it's just not firing like that. But then you also take it to the next level and you are able to figure out which supplements might be helpful for me. And then we test them with my energy and my body to see if they're congruent and how much my body is wanting, which is really amazing. And then there's also this other technique that you do, which is NET, where we're going through the emotions. So NET is different than EFT in that EFT is you're tapping on the body. It takes a while. NET is pretty quick. Like, especially if you're working with Dr. John, <laughs> he goes through <laughs> and he knows which one you basically, I'll let you explain it, but there's certain indicators that he picks up on that will lead to a story. And then you, we try to put the story together and then you release it from your brain. Why don't you describe it in doctor's terms? <laughs> no, that's a great synopsis. So what you're referring to is the idea of applied kinesiology. Kinesiology is the study of the movement of the body and everything in the body is based on reflexes. So as I bend my finger these muscles are activating, but there's a reflex which will tell these muscles on the backside to turn off, right? They should work in coordination together for a nice smooth motion. And that happens on a grand scale. You have thousands of muscles all over your body moving and coordinating. And so your nervous mm -hmm. system is running point on all that information. And so you got to have everything kind of flowing properly. And that's kind of what chiropractic is attempting to do. It's to stimulate the body through the spine to allow that nerve to flow efficiently, to allow for things to kind of move nice and smoothly. And that's kind of the end goal of that. And so when we go into dysfunction, each of these muscles in the system is going to be related to a circuit. And some of these circuits are based on acupuncture meridian systems. The meridian system is basically like a sub-level kind of uh, nervous system response. And it has a lot to do with the immune system because they run along these things called lymphatic channels. And so these channels will conduct energy but not as quickly as you would see potentially with the nervous system, where the nervous system is one three hundredth of a nanosecond or something like that. It's super fast. And then you have like the lymphatic system, which is kind of a little slower. So I kind of describe it as you have a, the super highway with six lanes, and that's your nervous system. And then you have these side country roads, which are like dirt, and you, you can still go down them. You still get to your destination. They just take a little bit longer. And that's kind of like your lymphatic channels. So that we can kind of use that idea. And what would you under. say the meridians are? I'm curious. Well, they're kind of the lymphatic channels. The meridians are associated with those like side roads. They're still going to get you everywhere, but they're not necessarily the main driver. So if the highway shut down, obviously you can kind of divert around through the right. side roads and get to your final destination. So that's kind of the beauty about the nervous system in the body is that it's all kind of coordinating together. Mm -hmm. You know, you really can't separate them because they're, they're you, right? They're, it is the existence of you. If you want to get a little metaphysical with it, can I do that here? Sure. What's really kind of neat, there's this book called Energy Medicine. I think the guy's name is Olson, but it's a terribly boring read. I, I wouldn't recommend it for people to read if, unless you really want to get through it. The idea, though, is that, that physics tells us if you send energy down a wire, it creates a magnetic field around it in a counterclockwise direction. 
So if our nervous system is acting like a, a wiring, right, and it's sending an electronic signal down, you're going to create a magnetic field around that wire. In this book, he described a guy who kind of went into a dark room for a number of days, and he came out and he was able to see these like bulbs of energy around people's bodies. And what he was understanding was that these are the energetic fields or the magnetic fields coming off of these nervous system pathways in your brain. So your visual pathway goes here and it creates this bulb of magnetic energy from your eyes. And it's fascinating to think about that. What he could see was that certain sides of people had like less energy expression. And what we can kind of theorize or understand is that when there's less energy flowing through these nerves, you're going to get less energy expression off of them. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you're going to have an impact. And that's what Reiki and these kinds of things are, are measuring, right? When they're sensing these things, they're, they're able to feel that field and it's deficiency or it's excess, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we can kind of understand that world of energy medicine through a neurological lens. Then you have the idea that, well, as energy is kind of flowing through these things, I kind of, I'm getting off course here. I apologize. No, no, I love it. Keep going. <laughs> but when you think about this idea of chakras, these things people talk about, what does that really mean? Well, interestingly enough, each of these chakras is right over a plexus of nerves where a bunch of nerves will come together and form a larger magnetic field. And right. so this is really fascinating because now we have these chakra energy systems are saying, we have full expression of that energy or not. And that can be a dysfunction of the vertebra because that's kind of the circuit breaker in those areas. But those plexes are having, again, deficient energy or, or excessive energy available to them due to the demands on the body. And those demands come from physical stress, mental stress, chemical needs, and toxic overload, right? And that's kind of what we're looking at as a perspective of energy moving through the system. What I do is use the muscle test, right? Again, each muscle is related to a different circuit. Now we can start to break down where exactly in the body the circuit's breaking down because this muscle's not working. But on the same area of the body, opposite side, they're both shut down. That means there's a circuitry problem. Mm. And so then we start investigating, is it a mental issue? Is it a structural me mechanical issue? Is it a toxic issue? Is it a chemical or an emotional stress rather? So again, we're looking at just four components and that's how we tr troubleshoot what's going on with this system. And then real quickly, we can start to assess, oh, there's a stress trigger here, right? You can use EFT to tap out those meridians. Mm -hmm. If you're familiar with that technique, or you can use NET to kind of like laser focus down and, and find the, the stress event in this moment, but also it's a conditioned response of something from our past. And that's where we can get into like worldviews and belief systems and all that other stuff if you want to mm -hmm. go down that road as well. But that's kind of the concept of like how we with precision, kind of get in there. And then we're using our clinical knowledge, right? Our, our understanding of biochemistry, our understanding of neurology, of, of understanding that these pathways aren't firing. And sometimes you need something behind it to stimulate that pathway. And sometimes you need that pathway, you need to have that energy go somewhere. And so the question is, is, is where exactly is the issue? Is it in this part? Is it before this part? Or is it after that part, right? And so that's kind of where all of the clinical sciences comes into impact for the clinician to both use that understanding, but also these other advanced conceptual ways of how the body is working to address the individual in front of us. So Right, right. Yeah. So it's mind, body, spirit. You're looking at and first, it seems like you approach the body with like, okay, let's get rid of all the mechanical problems. <laughs> and then yeah. and then it's like we move on from there. Okay, so there's a couple of things that you do that I don't quite understand, though I've wanted to and I've been kicked out of that. 
spirit or whatever. <laughs> Life has just not allowed me to take these classes. Isn't that crazy though? Like that you could just be blocked. But anyway, so you wind up touching like different parts of the face or body. And what kind of information are you getting when you're doing that? Like, sure. can you kind of show me like what you're doing? I don't know. You do it so fast that it's hard to explain. If you want to look it up, you can look up Meridian Access Points map of the body. You might have seen these figures in an acupuncturist office. It's got lines all over their bodies kind of thing. What these things are, are showing you are meridian lines. The meridians are kind of like the subway station, right? It, it's all underneath the surface. They're running energy all around your body. But you can stimulate points on the skin to kind of access or stimulate those systems that are underneath the surface, right? Mm-hmm. When you see me kind of touching the body at different points, these are kind of like the subway entry stations. You got the sidewalk, you got the little tunnel or whatever, and the stairs that go down into the subway station. And that's kind of what this point here is going to be related to the lung meridian system. Mm-hmm. And then the thyroid and the brain, and you got a bunch of stuff all over the body. You can look those maps up for how to access those things. But basically, again, it's about using that information in association with whatever muscle in the body is on that same circuit. There's a muscle underneath your arm called your serratus muscle. And so to test that muscle in a way, we're going to see if that muscle is responding or not. And if the muscle isn't able to maintain strength against resistance, then there's less energy available to that system. And then we would access the lung meridian point and then we test. And if that changes the strength of the muscle, then we understand that there's some sort of an imbalance there associated with that meridian. You can kind of say it's something wrong with the lung itself, but we're not talking about like pneumonias and, you know, COVID and whatever other diseases. We're just saying that there's energy imbalance here. And we can theorize that when there's an energy imbalance for a long time, you then get disease. Does that make sense? Disease. Um, Exactly. We're kind of a little bit more sensitive than maybe what our amazing modern technology can show us with fancy MRIs and digital scans and all the blood work you want. You're going to need a lot of advanced disease progression in order for it to show up on these advanced technologies, which is kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Right. Um, It's a little too late by then a lot of times. It takes a lot more effort to undo it. Exactly. And we kind of get into that sensitivity of self, self self-awareness. And it's kind of when I feel something, what does this actually mean? So pain isn't necessarily an indication of a problem. It's just an indication of there's there's some sort of energy that's not appropriately signaling right now. And it's our job as practitioners to kind of diagnose and break that down for the individual before it gets to the disease state, before they need to have a crisis recovery, a surgery, some sort of thing like that, medications, whatever. We want to support an appropriate energy and body response so that they don't have to go into that crisis mode. I just want to pause for a second here and just really talk about that understanding because I'm noticing that a lot of people are not aware of the fact that disease does set in slowly and that there are warning signs. And that's what Dr. John works to find is like what is imbalanced and get it balanced so that it doesn't progress into something worse. You can imagine if you have a leg that is limping, if you go running on that limp, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So both he and I and those in the health and wellness field are all about finding how do we fix the limp before we let the person go running so it doesn't get worse. And what you were referring to is muscle testing, which I think is amazing. And I, I definitely 
do my own form of muscle testing and, and you definitely have done that on me. And it is so fascinating how you can bring in something into the field and it will weaken it. You can test the strength of the person and then bring the something into the field and it'll weaken. And that's one of the ways that we sort out which supplement I'm supposed to take. My body will get stronger instead of weaker or something because of it. So I was just thinking about how you pick the lung channel, which is so interesting because that, that is part of something that was very big and important for me to notice when I was working with people with Parkinson's. So it's just funny that you brought that up. I was just thinking about that. And to go further with that lung for me, because I'm not a doctor, I can't prescribe or anything like that. But I know that the lung signifies grief usually and long held grief. And releasing that is, is really important for the overall structure and function of the body. Yeah. And right now we're seeing an extraordinary amount of lung issues, right? Think about COVID right. and all this other stuff. Yeah. Fascinating enough, the lungs are the metal element. So when we think about metal, what do we think about? Well, we think about it's very strong. It's very rigid. It's hard to bend. It comes from the earth. That deep earth forms metals and minerals in there, right? Okay, well, when a lung issue grief, for instance, it's really just a belief system. And so when we grieve the loss of somebody, what are we really saying the experience is? Well, we've lost something, something is missing. And we have this belief that like we might not be able to be whole without it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's the belief about what that person meant to us about being full or not full, which is causing the suffering. When we kind of take time to kind of break down, again, conceptually what these things mean, the person on the other side, it's not psychology, it's not therapy. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about understanding how things are related to one another. It's like observational sciences. So it's like, okay, this is the middle element. That's what Chinese medicine tells us about this. What does that mean to you? Oh, it's about our belief systems. And it could be about dogma, right? Being kind of so rigid in, in my belief system that there's no other way it could be possible. And that's what we're seeing in, in the world today. A lot of kind of division in the world based on right. belief systems. And nobody's open to the opposing system. And uh, there's causing a lot of suffering, isn't it? And it's, it's super sad to watch that. In regards to Parkinson's, what's really fascinating is as the lungs kind of inflate, there's these stretch reflexes, which tell the mechanics of the body to inhale and exhale and all that stuff. And that has a lot to do with your motor pathways, which is what you're talking about with Parkinson's. So there's your neurological correlation is the mechanics associated with breathing, causing a lot of issues with Parkinson's as a side note. That's so interesting now that you say that, because I remember reading a study where it said that they take in four times more oxygen or, or they're trying to take in four times as much oxygen. And it's actually somewhere they've decided that if you're that person, there's a good chance that you're going to wind up getting Parkinson's. Like it's almost like mm. a diagnostic if you're struggling to take in air or, yeah. or not. I don't know. It's been a while since I looked at the research, but anyway, there is a correlation there somewhere. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, and as another note to that, the lung and the large intestine are on the same meridian. And so the large right. intestine has a lot to do with neurotransmitter activity. And then you start what's called the reticular activating uh, formation. That's kind of your stress-inducing uh, pathways. So when you get these systems, shallow breathing and more breath repetition, and then inflammation in the colon and the gut, and microbial imbalances, which affect neurotransmitter activity, and then you have this increase in stress activity, it's like a perfect recipe for these Parkinson's, anxiety disorders, depression, bipolar, or whatever. Well, and, and people with Parkinson's have motility issues in mm -hmm. their gut most often. <laughs> um, I love it. That's another time. <laughs> yeah, right. See, Dr. John and I could talk about all this stuff. We're very jazzed up about energy and uh, vitality. And I mean, if you look at his body, I mean, he, you have an exquisite physique. He used to do, what was it, body? What is that called? 
physique, I think, is the where the guys wear swim trunks versus the little speedos. You know, I'm not that sexually <laughs> comfortable with my body to walk around stage in some thongs. <laughs> no, but you used to do bodybuilding, right? Didn't you? Like yeah, shows or so, something like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A physique show. I won the LA Naturally in 2018, maybe 17. Right. What year that was. Yeah. And you also are vegan. Is that correct? I had been for about two years. I randomly eat meat occasionally eggs and cheese are probably the things that I would most likely have if I did have something that's not uh, plant-based. But yeah, I, I say I'm plant-based. So uh, right. it gives me it gives me a little wiggle room for those vegans who are pretty hardcore. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> the real hardcore ones, you can't have yeah, honey. leather stuff or yeah. honey. Yeah, that's tough. I was vegan for a month and I felt great, but I knew that it was time to not be vegan after that. <laughs> Yeah, I felt amazing. I mean, my body recovery time was amazing from workouts. I mean, that's the main reason I did it is because on a plant-based diet, I would increase weights and repetitions to like five sets of 20 kind of thing and just was crushing workouts, two-hour workouts. But the next day I'd wake up and I'd feel fine, no soreness, really no recovery issues whatsoever on a plant-based diet. And why do you think that is? Just the amount of inflammation. I think I'm a type A blood. Some people ascribe to Peter Guillermo's work on E right for your blood type. I kind of have some predilection to that. But for the most part, I, I struggle with some stomach acid issues. As an empathic person, I kind of lower my boundaries so I can kind of feel my environment and use those skills that I've kind of trained. In doing so, that makes me vulnerable to that environment. It makes my stomach meridian overstressed. And so I can kind of have trouble digesting. Sitting down to eat is tough for me. I tend to run around like a bird brain, you know what I mean? And uh, so sitting down to calm, to increase, smell the food, increase sal salivation, chew your food to get the food down in the stomach, to let the stomach acid do that work. I tend not to do that very well. I struggle with digestion of things like meats and things like that. So that's mm. for me, the reason I avoid it, not that it doesn't taste good or whatever, but honestly, for the farming industry is its own other shit show conversation we can have another time too. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's important to get good quality meat if you're going to do meat. We get ButcherBox sent to us. Awesome. And uh, I highly recommend their turkey. That was awesome. We did a turkey. It was very delicious for Thanksgiving. So obviously we were talking about nutrition and the role that it plays in recovery. Beyond that, you, it seems like you went on to then study quantum neurology, right? So yeah. What is, so what is the difference between neurology and quantum neurology? Well, good question. Glad you asked <laughs> that. I, I'm not sure I'll have the answer, but you know, we'll, we'll take our shot at it. And just as a caveat, I want to make sure people recognize that even though I'm a practitioner of these different things, that you know I don't necessarily represent them or speak for them. I just want to make sure that, that people understand that and that there'll be links attached to these things where people can kind of go and check out the individual techniques themselves. And then you can kind of study and look at however you want. But uh, again, I'm just a singular practitioner and I have my own viewpoints and I don't represent those companies. I just want to make sure that disclaimer is put out there. Sure. I didn't know um, NET was a company. Is it? Yeah. So NET is neuroemotional technique. Dr. Scott Walker and Deb Walker are the founders and developers of that. Okay. And their website is netmindbody.com. So check that out. If you have a professional license, meaning you have the ability to diagnose somebody with something, then you can study this technique and practice it on your clientele. Which is uh, why don't I have got it, tonight. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't diagnose. Cindy, actually, my wife is going back to school right now for marriage and family counseling. So she could do NET as well because she had the similar desire 
even though she's with me around me, she can basically kind of do the technique, even though she's not taking any seminars or whatever, because she just watched me so much. That's what education is, right? It's just learning, observing, practicing until you have the skill sets. Unfortunately, we live in a world of regulations where we have to kind of have a piece of paper saying that somebody told us we can do this now, giving us the pass to be able to do it with others. For the current time being, that's the world we live in, but maybe that'll change. Going back to the question of quantum neurology, the difference is neurology is really just understanding the neural pathways. Everything in your body has a a particular road that goes back and forth of communication. And there's all kinds of different stimulation. You have proprioception, mechanoreception, you have pain, you have pressure, light touch, deep touch, form recognition, vibration, pressure, temperature, all these things that your brain does that most of us don't think about on a regular basis. If you did, your brain might explode. So that's not good either. So we want to make sure we kind of focus on what's in front of us. So quantum neurology is understanding that instead of these pathways, we understand that they exist, but we also understand that there's that magnetic field that gets produced around it. What's interesting about neurology is I can stick a needle in here and a stick a needle here in the nerve, and I can send a signal back and forth on that nerve. And on that test, it's called a nerve conduction velocity test. We could say, hmm, that nerve is viable. It's sending a signal in an efficient way. It's a healthy nerve. But yet that person can still have problems, right? So what the, what the hell is that about? There's still some energetic dysfunction. There's still something missing in that flow. There's the inability for that magnetic field to be created around that electrical wire. And so the quantum is really understanding the amount of energy that should be there. What is full expression of our nervous system? A lot of times people don't even ask that question. If you think about athletes like the professionals and the higher level athletes, they're wanting to be the best, right? Right, right. And so this is, this is kind of our target market when it comes to quantum neurology because they understand inherently what it means to be optimized. As an athlete, they inherently understand that from 88% to 91%, it's not a big percentage difference in the world, but the, the athlete that is like between first and second place, that's between totally. gold and silver. So it's about that little bit of expression enhancement. When we think about the nervous system, your body, it does all these amazing things. And luckily, we don't have to think about any of them on a regular basis. And so what quantum neurology does is it kind of breaks down these individual pathways. We can kind of give ourselves a baseline score. I have a video called, What's Your Brain Score? And Dr. George Gonzalez created this deep quantum neurology to kind of help his wife heal after a back injury where they, I don't know if she was paralyzed, but she was very immobile for a while. And I think he was still in chiropractic school when he invented this technique. So it's kind of like you can heal people without a degree. It's just that somebody's not going to like you for doing it is all right. right. And unfortunately, we have this whole medical pharmaceutical industry, which may be pulling some strings or whatever, but we don't want to get into that road either because we don't want to be censored in any way. So the quantum aspect is just seeing is the full expression of the nervous system there or not. What's really interesting is you can have a shoulder problem, but because you had that injury when you hit your head, you have all these scrambled circuits up here and you can get this fixed all you want. But until you kind of reset these circuits up here, you're never going to get resolution to this injury. And that's kind of a basic application of understanding quantum neurology. So we take into impact all of these other neurological things, because when you were in that accident, yeah, you hit your shoulder and, and yeah, you hit your head, but you, you were actually on your way to eat lunch. So your mm-hmm. blood sugar was actually low. You just had a fight with your spouse. And so your emotions were running high. Mm-hmm. So when you get that injury, you're not only getting the physical injury here and here, and then the circuitry blowout, but you're also having a tag of low blood sugar. You're actually having a tag of anger and resentment. 
So later in life, when you're feeling low blood sugar, your shoulder might hurt. Your head might not work. When you feel angry, you might get pain in your shoulder again. And so that's kind of how the quantum field, all of these things are happening simultaneously. Again, thank God, uh, we don't have to think about that stuff. But when we're out in the world and all of a sudden our shoulder starts hurting for no reason, just understand that there's a reason just because you don't understand it or don't have the patience or wherewithal to kind of sit with the experience to allow those things to kind of come up to your intuitive self doesn't mean that it's not there or that it's woo-woo or crazy. It's really just saying that we expected something resolved yesterday for a problem that came out of the blue. Well, guess what? If it came out of the blue, it's probably not as simple as getting your shoulder adjusted and the problem's going to go away forever. Right. There's right. Some, something else there. So quantum neurology looks at that. We look at all the sensory stuff. We look at all colors and how our lenses and our eyes and, and different color shades will have an impact to chemistry in our body, which allows recovery to happen. I mean, there's so many layers. Whoa, that's cool. So that's color therapy. And you can use smell. I mean, you can use taste, any sensation anywhere in the body. I mean, there's a whole protocol where we can kind of, in a matter of minutes, break down how many layers of neurological stress are tagged to a physical injury. And to a person watching this, it's like, what the hell are you doing, right? But then all of a sudden they can walk. There's a guy down in Louisiana who's pulling people out of wheelchairs getting people out of comas has been something that's been dabbled in a little bit in this field. Just some phenomenal things that are facilitating healing because we're not just looking at it in a linear way. Why? Because your body's not linear. Right. It is that mind, body, spirit. We're looking to address the dysfunctions of how that energy is moving around and available to the system. I'm teaching a class right now. And one of the examples I gave was when one of my clients had a headache and I started looking at her energy and and we're tapping and talking and a dishwasher comes up and I said, wow, why is the dishwasher coming up? So I actually have like a conversation with the dishwasher and I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? And then all of a sudden I start to feel the energy around the dishwasher and I start to hear arguing and I start to hear imbalances of power. And then I start hearing like, you don't do anything to help me. And and then I'm all seeing it like go out to the, the children. Mm. And all of this is telling me a story of what is stored in that area. And so as soon as we talk about it, about this woman didn't feel like she was getting help from her family members, all of a sudden the headache is you know decreasing. She's starting to mm. realize, ah, so this was like what I was mm. holding on and storing and not saying mm. and speaking my truth. There is a story to tell and the body does have wisdom. And I think more and more we are going to be paying attention to that wisdom that's in the body. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I literally just had an NET session with somebody about the same concept, having family <laughs> over. The dishes were piling up. They were getting all pissed off at the family. And the bottom line for her was as a child, she's very artistic. Her mom wanted it done very linear and structured way. Mm. You go small to tall and back to front, all that stuff. For her, the trigger was not like the family and all that kind of stuff, which there was layers of that there. But ultimately, in the back of her mind, she felt like she was a failure because it was all reminding her of a child. She wasn't doing it the way her mother wanted her to do it. So she had all these kind of identity crises going on over the dishwasher. So that's kind of hilarious that you bring up the dishwasher because I just had an experience with the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> it's quantum neurology and it's quantum field and all related. I'm sure this conversation already has been planned to actually play last night when we were sleeping. Remember uh, that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why I woke up tired. No, seriously, though, sometimes I do wake up and I'm like, God, I was healing people all night and I, I don't do it as much anymore. But it's so interesting when I look at it, I'm like, I don't, why would I even be working on that person? <laughs> I, don't, I barely know them, but... 
anyway, it's funny. So you've written a book now. I want to hear more about that because we actually haven't had a chance to talk about that. It's got to be called Healing to Failure. And right now the, the target market would be the vegan, the bodybuilding, that kind of athletic community. Because again, it's about recognizing that who values this information. It's people who like to perform. Not that your average Joe doesn't like to perform well, but for the most part, who's going to invest in performing well, right? And that's going to be the athletic community and the performers of the world because they don't want to hurt themselves and they want to be able to do it for a long time. Um, I I believe that that anybody who's doing energy work should be investing in that kind of stuff, but that's just my own opinion. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think everybody (laughs) should be investing in it, but you know what? We're not going to be able to do that right now. Uh, (laughs) So we want to slowly great, you know, step this up. And so healing to failure is really a concept of our healthcare system. If we look around the healthcare system right now, it's a shit show. Mm -hmm. There's so much misinformation and confusion, and it's just crazy. You can get into the nuances of that. But for the most part, we can all look and say, our healthcare system is extraordinarily overvalued. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's flawed for sure. Like everything is going to be flawed. I'm flawed. You're flawed. I don't like to admit that, but you know, there's a time and a place. But our healthcare system is overvalued, really. Yeah. And yeah. so just look at the trillions of dollars that go to this thing. It's like, what a freaking crock of shit, right? It's just, right. it's insane. So this book is really about breaking down like, hey, as a person in the world, how the hell are we making sense of this? What the hell is Reiki? What the hell is chiropractic? What is acupuncture? Mm-hmm. I'm not invested in it. I'm not invested in whether you go do these things. But it's really about like, defining these things and not in an invested way. I, I personally am not bothered if you go or don't go to a practitioner who does alternative healthcare stuff, but I understand its value. And, and so this book is about communicating the value of these things to people and saying, look, you might not recognize its value right now, but I want you to challenge your worldviews because that overvalue to the medical system is going to be the end of you or the ruin of you because it could be financial ruin. It could cost you your life. So I want people to recognize the gravity and the seriousness of this book that's a healing to failure, right? What does that mean? It means that when I push my body, am I going to adapt or not? And Mm. in in my office, I say adapt or die. And the point of that is not to be a threat or anything like that. It's just to say, look, we have this opportunity to be greater than we are. And it's not about where you are is bad or deficient in any way. It's about saying, like, we have this ability to express ourselves in a higher way. And that could be Mm. creatively express ourselves. That could be sexually express ourselves. That could be intimately. That could be interpersonally. That could be athletically. That could be mentally, neurologically. It could be based on whatever field of study that you love and want to be part of. And I'm not trying to limit anybody, but the book is really about pointing out the flaws in the system and saying, as a consumer, we need to do better. And where do we need to do better? Well, we start by understanding what's available. And when we start breaking that down, there's numerous studies and research done that says, if you use these alternative therapies, your overall health expenditures are literally one fifth of the average person. So if we take the current model for the U.S., let's just say a trillion dollars, and you reduce that by four-fifths, what would that available funds do? Well, according to our current status, that would go to fund all these other governments and all these other things in the world. And (laughs) it doesn't go to the American people, apparently. But, you know, that's not for us to say as the lowly individual voter. What we're trying to do is say, look, we have these available funds. How can we can reallocate these things kind of like, I don't know, build better education platforms have better right, farming right. skills, reducing the cost of things. I mean, that's a big deal. If Funding you can kind EFT of, in schools or having yeah. 
somebody who does NET in schools and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And just reducing the overall burden on businesses. I mean, just think about what healthcare expenditures are really coming from. Well, the businesses are paying for this. Big businesses is attempting to fund that insurance organizations are they're crazy making money. So we can cut so many costs from this. And what that does is it frees people up to be that other creative self. You have to be mm-hmm. less invested in your health and how to like stay alive and more invested in like, how do I kind of like create life? And that's kind of my goal for this book is healing to failure is, well, you can heal in the medical system through crisis to your demise, or you can kind of live in a healthy, expressive way until the end. And that's also giving back to your community, not rotting away in an elderly community like my grandmother did for 12 years. It's about like really maximizing the potential of human life to connect and support one another. And so that way we can kind of garner a new age. And we're in that age of Aquarius right now. So we're garnering a new age of kind of self-compassion, self-love, but also creativity and the sciences and all the things. It's an exciting time we live in. And hopefully this book can be an inspiration to help us reallocate resources away from an overvalued system and put them back into systems that are in place that will work if we give them a chance. Again, it goes back to that open-mindedness, mm-hmm. which right now we're, we're kind of split uh, on being open to each other's opinions and views. Yeah. So, well, not all of us, but the majority of us. <laughs> yeah. I, to some degree, I'm, I'm annoyed with either side, depending on the time of day you ask me. Yeah. So basically what you're essentially talking about is biohacking. And I love this idea of like, you and I both love energy and mitochondria. If you stress them enough, if they're weak, they die off. Right. And then Mm -hmm. what happens is is new mitochondria are built and that gives us more energy and expression of who we are. Yeah. Mitochondria, the functional medicine aspect of thing is all about energy. And so we can go to the neurology aspect of it, but it really breaks down to the cellular energy cell, which is the mitochondria and fueling that system. And that's how you get the cells to communicate. Once you have one healthy thing and you have two healthy things and you have a healthy community of things, and we can kind of really strengthen the efficiency of transfer of energy between things and really kind of reduce waste and improve healthy expression of the whole, which is the goal of functional medicine, the basic nutritional things, but also stress reduction and uh, detoxification as well. Right. So, I mean, everything that the holistic community talks about or functional nutritionists or functional doctors, they're trying to reduce the amount of stress that's on the body, whether it's mental, physical or... uh, All of it. You got it. Spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spiritual. And the methods that you're talking about Reiki or chiropractic or acupuncture, they're all putting us into that parasympathetic nervous system to mm-hmm. help give us more time to heal, which is why healing happens. <laughs> exactly. The body exactly. has had to take, take over after that. Mostly it takes time. And like you said, you can get tripped up because your blood sugar could dip and then all of a sudden your shoulder hurts. But being mindful of the fact that your shoulder hurts and you were doing nothing that would indicate your shoulder should be hurting. That's when we should be paying attention. It's just being mindful and being like, whoa, where's that energy coming from? And why did that just get here? And then releasing it, shaking yeah. off like a dog. Dr. John is the only other person that I know that shakes the same way that I do when we release energy. <laughs> like we'll be working with, he'll work with me. I actually, I don't think I've worked on you. I can't remember, but you will shake when you're working with me. Of course, we're always working together anyway. Yeah, I'm a big yawner. So yeah. I'm like, <laughs> which is but really sometimes you're like, <laughs> and that's yeah. what I do. Sometimes I'm like, Hah. and it's, and people get upset and I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's just me releasing the Yeah. Air. I'm not creeped out by you in any way, right? Right, right, right. 
really what they want to get clear to the world is not that it's a therapy or talk therapy or any of that stuff. That stuff is valuable in its own way. But NET is really about that physical sensation that comes up with that emotion. If you read the, the book Molecules of Emotion by Candace Pert, it talks a lot about the neurochemistry of emotions, meaning that when you feel emotion, a particular a hormone shape gets released from the brain and goes through the blood and it triggers a physical reaction. So anger can make us feel tight and fear can make us kind of back away and nervousness can make us kind of shrink. And these are the physical sensations of stress. And that's what we're talking about with EFT and NET and any of these therapies is it's not talk therapy. It's not about rationalizing why your parents were assholes. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's about feeling our emotions and, and nurturing them back. Because when we were three, we couldn't make sense of the world. Right. And, and it, what's and, so cool is you can time travel back to that three-year-old. I've done this with you and I've done this with my clients where you can go back to that kid and just say, I'm sorry that you experienced this. Like, I'm going to sit here as an adult, a very loving, unconditional adult, because it's yourself, hold you and and just try to tell you that I'm going to protect you from now on. And yeah. it really does shift that energy back then, which is really right now, which is right in our body, <laughs> which is all which, really cool. Which which always was, right? Yeah, and, uh, I know. So cool. And so when we kind of go back in time and touch that and heal that, really what we're doing is we're using our adult mind to help our child memory make sense of the environment. Because I don't know about you and no parent is perfect, right? And you have a young one, so you can give us a little right. bit of details on that. But when a child is going through the situation and they can't make sense of it, guess what? A parent's not always available to help them make sense of it. And especially if they're you know, in trouble or whatever, then the child's coming up with their own conclusions. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. depending on what that child has been exposed to, we're going to make irrational conclusions about the world, right? right? And so now we have the opportunity as an adult, that's what NET, that's what EFT, that's a meditation. It's all an opportunity to go back in time and feel our feelings and make sense of those in a new way. Right. And most people just won't take the time to do that. And if anything, it's threatening to them because again, some of that stuff is too painful. Right. So hopefully we can make it a safe space, gives people the opportunity to see how safe this can be, hopefully, and then they open themselves to the idea that they can actually heal some of this stuff as well and move forward in a new way. What I find very interesting, and I shared this with Dr. John right as we got started, Every time that I do a podcast, I tune in to see what we're going to get a healing on as people listening and what the real topic is about. And it was about being checked out of our feelings is really not serving us our overall health. So getting checked into our feelings is really going to help us to release these things. And one of the interesting things that I've learned about the brain is that once it has experiences trauma, it, it separates the trauma into a feeling and a picture. And as an adult, we can see that picture, right? We can remember what happened, but we need to tap into that feeling in order to connect them back again to release them. So yeah. Dr. John, I wanted to ask you about your dark night. Because <gasps> we all have had them. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a very spiritual guy and you understand the value of a dark night. Do you want me to just kind of go into that story or? Sure. The, yeah. What's the protocol? Do you have time? <laughs> yeah, totally. Cool. I love making time for you. It is honestly such a pleasure and honor to be here with you. And I just want to say thanks again for the opportunity. Sure. Um, I, it's my pleasure too. Yeah. I get to go to hell with you right now. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mentor would always say, when you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> 
Yes, it's in a song, actually. <laughs> when Don't you're stop. going through a hell, yeah, keep on something or other. <laughs> yeah, keep on going, basically. Just keep on singing and going or something. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Yeah, so for me, interestingly enough, I'm in Aries, if people are into Zodiac stuff, and I'm like a triple fire sign in, you know, in my chart. So it's like I'm a super fiery person. I like to do stuff, right? So I was in practice for 12 years in Colorado. That's kind of how I met Amy and the slew of other amazing people uh, in Colorado over the years. I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And so when I was in Colorado, I had this identity. I had two practices. I felt good. I was making money. I was like loving up on people and going to the mountains and snowboarding and hiking and camping and life was good. And then I met my wife and yeah, she kind of spurred into my life and started intertwining with me and she moved to Colorado and she really kind of said, like bringing things to my attention, she's like, are you really happy? And in my mind, I was like, of course I am. I'm doing all the stuff that I love, right? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing people's on. lives. <laughs> yeah. What's more valuable than that? Oh, my own happiness. Oh, okay. So she kind of uh, triggered me uh, to kind of reflect on that. And it, the final conclusion was, I think I need to kind of let go of this identity that I've created here in, in Colorado. And so we moved to Houston and I was going to take a year off. And the first three months, I'm like painting the house. I'm like doing all the things just to kind of maintain myself because I didn't want to go stir crazy and go mad. And in that process, I started to just feel the weight of, of all of my identities crashing down and kind of going through some depression and just kind of feeling a sense of worthlessness and what am I doing? And I made a mistake and I don't have any money and, yeah. and I just, just got stressed out. I was going to take a year off. And in that process of taking a year off, kind of had my dark night. I, I just felt like crap. I was drinking that way too much. I wasn't working out as much. I was eating like crap, just feeling kind of pity for myself. And then COVID hit. And it was just like, oh, you're going to take a year off? Let's try, I don't know, a year and a half, two years now going on. <laughs> and so here I am now in March, I actually created my business here in Houston. And so that's when COVID happened. So here I am starting a new business and I have to go out and meet people. And guess what? I don't have the opportunity to meet people because everyone wants to stay home. And so I was like, ah, oh, crap. So I really kind of went down this dark place of feeling shitty. And, and I honestly, I'm still kind of in it. Uh, I started seeing patients again, probably in September. And, you know, I started kind of reintroducing myself and I've slowed down. I'm not nearly at the same practice volume I was at before. I kind of like, almost tripled my fees as far as what I charge because inherently as a practitioner, I was keeping my fee schedule the same as like any other chiropractor, even though that my abilities and skills were far exceeding well beyond, the average. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah you and, are the best adjuster I've ever met for sure. Thank you. Well, thank and you. NET, I mean, whatever you, obviously I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Again, if I could like, that. like build a house for you here, like that, you could just come, I would. <laughs> yeah, well, and I still come back quarterly for really what I've created there. I had thousands of patients and whatnot. But yeah, I had about 100 or so patients that I really, truly loved to interface with. And I loved everybody to some degree. But the people that really inspired me kind of like yourself and your family and some of the other people that we kind of mutually know. I love that experience because it does kind of help fulfill me. I do kind of crave that 
I'm an, an extrovert, right? So I kind of crave that attention. My ego loves feeling good with other people, right? And when I make an adjustment or when I make an NET correction or when I facilitate a nerve or whatever it might be, that can just feel that energy flowing to that person and it just, it just fills me up. I feel great right, about that. Right. So again, I'm still going through my crisis of like self-evaluation. And so as I'm building my business right now, I'm layering in like business structure. I'm going through all these like nuanced things that was what kind of wiped me out from practice to begin with in Colorado. So as I'm kind of reestablishing my business again, I'm going through these things and I'm, I'm feeling them in a new way. I'm not doing them out of spite or whatever. I'm, I'm doing them out of joy because I recognize the opportunity I get to do is share with these people and that these business things aren't about having to do something or whatever. But now I feel so full inside that I don't necessarily need them in like a financial way. I don't need them in a something missing from my life kind of way. I'm really feeling extraordinarily more congruent with how I'm going about my business strategy and value it for myself and from the environment. And what's really amazing is people are responding amazingly well here and saying, oh, it's going to be $5,000 for that. Sure. And I'm like, Mm. oh, people just want to pay me because they recognize that value because I recognize it in myself. Um, Right. I have no doubt that you would be awesome for anybody who's high performing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And so without that crisis and that identity piece, I was, I was really putting to death this idea that I had to play small in order for my environment to be okay with me. Because a lot of my messaging as a kid was, I was too much. My energy was too much. These kinds of things. And, and to me, it felt like, okay, well, in order to be okay, my environment to be okay with me, I had to play small so I wouldn't overwhelm people. Obviously, I'm not hopefully kind of coming at people the same way that I used to because I had a lot of that fiery energy and I wanted you to know what I know. But I recognize that that's not, people don't come from that same enthusiasm. People don't come from that same level of knowledge. And so I really have to kind of cater my speak to the person who's willing to listen, to slow it down and to be patient and to say, this person obviously sees value in me or else they wouldn't be talking to me. Mm-hmm. And so if I can just communicate what it is my heart and my mind knows, and I can communicate how much I want to support and help you, people inherently want to work with me. And again, the, the monetary piece is an afterthought because they recognize it's not about the dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> it's all about how we can kind of fulfill ourselves and then be capable for our environment to enjoy life to that highest quantum experience. And that's kind of what the dark night is for me was having to go through some of these experiences. And I kind of felt a little isolated and alone because I was in a new city and I didn't really know a whole lot of people. And luckily I had a community here. I'm going to shout out to them real quick. Ann Bartell and Brian Bartell and the One Ohm community here in Houston, Texas. Phenomenal. Lucy Lucero Rios and Ayavata. She does some awesome energy and body work. So just kind of being surrounded by some of these people. Danny is another amazing woman who's kind of more in the business professional world. But all these people and my wife, obviously, all these people have been just creating that container to allow me to kind of go through that muddy sludge of experience and kind of come out rebirthed and renewed and rejuvenated. And I think it's a trying process. And honestly, I still kind of struggle with it from time to time. Thank you for sharing your dark night and that you're actually still going through a dark night because it's not easy, but you're in the birth canal, man. You're going to be pretty soon on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Oh God. Thank you. Um, thank you. It, it's not easy being cheesy. Yeah. Cheetos. Anyway, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been a blessing and an honor to obviously be and know you and your family and just to kind of watch you evolve because you are someone special. And I'm, I'm just glad to be part of the experience with you. So thank you. Thank you. And I will say that Dr. John helped me to be able to have a podcast. So he, he has helped oh, me yeah. uh, release that. some stuff. So anyway, I want you all to uh, check out his book that's coming out. Hopefully we'll have a link to it at some point when it's available. And then check out his website. Yeah, it says originate or originate. Oh, originate, how it's yeah. Spelled. yeah. Anything else they should know about you? Are you on social media? What are you doing? Yeah, oh, so I'm working with a, uh, an organization who's trying to get me a little bit more content driven so I can put out some more stuff. Originate Health and Wellness is my business name. My website is mycairo.club and Dr. John Went is a new public figure page on Facebook as well as uh, Originate Health and Wellness is its own page. And then Instagram, I think I'm New Conscious Doc as well as Originate Health and Wealth. It's crazy. Yeah, no wonder I'm why you're having an identity things. crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, your input and in, in saying just hire somebody because it's crazy. I'm like, you know what? The more I'm talking about this, I'm like, you're yeah. absolutely right. I got to right. get somebody to rein, rein me in, put me together. Yeah. See, the thing is, is we're highly talented at what we do, but we're not good at the other clerical stuff. And we were laughing about the technology piece of this whole thing. And it always is an issue with like the people that are like us. It's just not our forte and that's okay. There are people that really enjoy doing that. (laughs) Exactly. Right now I'm calling all support people out there in the world who want to come and think you like what I said. You want to come out to Houston or or wherever you are to support me. I love the support. So yeah, uh, yeah. me too. I'm looking for the same stuff. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm stealing from you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's such a pleasure. And thank you for hanging out with me and sharing everything that you did on the podcast. It's really been awesome. content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.